Welcome to another episode of Whiskey and Mash. week's episode of whiskey and mash i am chris pullman and i am gloria ackerman this is going to be a little bit of a weird episode uh because of the uh clip episode or the clip show of mash that we watched earlier in this season we're actually a little off on how we normally do our episodes so we're going to do three today uh season seven episode three point of view season seven episode 12 dear comrade in season 7 episode 13 out of gas so it's going to be a little bit longer probably closer to an hour uh stick with us we'll try and go quickly while still covering everything point of view let's go right to it Mm -hmm. um and that's the same as the name it's the point of view of a soldier we begin this episode with soldiers walking along and all of a sudden you hear the uh, attack they're being attacked and you got Someone was hit, Private Rich, mm-hmm. and... Well, the, the camera was hit. Well, the camera was hit, because Private Rich was the camera. Mm-hmm. Well, it would be at the equivalent of someone wearing a GoPro now. In fact, Laura said, is he wearing one? And we're like, no. <laughs> this was shot in the 70s. That didn't exist back then. Mm-hmm. And as Chris pointed out many times, it was hard. It would have been hard to do this episode if you were the cameraman. I think so. so. It was the point of view of Private Rich, who was wounded... He had to have a um, tracheotomy, and mm-hmm. he couldn't speak, and it showed what he had to go through and what he saw and the different people who helped. And um, the point of view of a, of a wounded soldier. That's mm-hmm. what this episode is all about. So um, I thought one of the main things that hit me is Klinger again, because Klinger had another job of being uh, the... Radar, the person that does the pictures, like... Oh, the x-ray. You know, the x-ray person. Tech, yeah. Yes. X-ray so I'm like, tech. okay, he is the corpsman, he is the x-ray tech, he is the kitchen person, he is the mail person, he is radar's backup. Mm-hmm. What doesn't Klinger do? Hmm. <laughs> yeah. He might just be other duties as assigned. I know, but that's something that takes a lot of training. What? X-ray an X-ray attack? I think. Don't you have to go to school the, for that? Your buddy's an days, X-ray attack, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, two years of training, but they might be able to get him the basics there, you know. Okay, he must have job. done a lot of schooling because he has the basics for nursing. He has the well, basics for... Basics for nursing. Well, yeah, he sometimes steps in as nurses or as a nurse. When? Well, he does corman duties. Corman duties, yeah. Okay, you're right. I mean, I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to contradict you that hard, but he does corman duties, but he's not never, really nursing. Yeah, no. I've never seen him hand tools or anything to a no. doctor. No, okay. he's not. He's not specifically doing nursing duties. He does a lot of the same stuff as you he see other corman I guess that's why mm-hmm. I thought of nursing. Like he'll mm-hmm. go get things, but I guess that would be a corman's. Mm-hmm. I I would say corman. Which then in this context would also kind of cover some of those other things, I would think. But yeah, like when he's on KP or guard duty, I don't think that's an assignment other than the fact that it's a punishment 
And like he took Private Rich for a walk. Like mm-hmm. got him in a wheelchair and took yeah. him for a walk and mm-hmm. you know, just he does so much. He does. No, I agree, <laughs> but yeah, I think some of that is consequences of his of actions. His actions. Yeah. Okay. So that would be the KP. Yes. Yes. But he did begin this episode in a beautiful white dress. Yes. Which <laughs> Colonel Potter was yeah. not happy about. Not all out of shape about. Yes, well, he was all out of shape about a lot of things. He was not in a good mood during this episode. No. Which we find out why later, but mm-hmm. um, yelling at Radar at to one point where Radar was quite upset. Mm-hmm. Um, not used to being yelled at. No. Nope. Um, what else did you see? <laughs> um... Well, I mean, we we definitely it's it's an interesting episode to watch because it never breaks from being in first person, which yeah. had to have been hard in the seventies. I mean, even if you had a smaller camera, it's not like yeah, it's not like you could just have a GoPro. It had to still be fairly sizable, and it's not like they just put a pair of legs there because you see arms right. out in front of the camera where this camera had to be where the guy's head was basically. And, you know, he's writing on a clipboard at one point and getting... You see it from that point of view, yeah. Yeah, so it's literally where the guy's head would be. And it's done really well, in my opinion. You saw soldiers making passes at Margaret, even though they were wounded. (laughs) You saw, you know, anything that the soldier would have seen. Yeah. It was great. No, it it is. People talking to him. Mm Mm-hmm. And his responding, not very well because of the tracheotomy. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah, overall, just, it really, in terms of suspension of disbelief, keeping you in the episode, I would say this is the best one out of the series because of where you were, you know, and just in the driver's seat, literally, the whole time. And we even get a, a flyover from the chopper of the four double seventh, which is amazing. You yes, know, you just, got to see. You know, as you said, you thought it was a lot smaller. Yeah, it looked smaller, but you you saw it, and we saw everything. We went from the helipad down the ramp that they use, and you know, obviously, uh, from the gurney point of view, but. I think the cuts were done pretty well. Um, I was surprised there wasn't more of a road than the steps. Because how do they get things down the steps? I mean, they seriously have to carry the patients down. From the helipad? Yeah. Because there was, like, the steps. Yeah, and that's how people got up, but then... Then they just went on the hill to go down? Yeah. You know, on that road. That they put the gurney on the jeep, and then the jeep went down. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. That was the other way. Okay. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, he wasn't carried down. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, very well done. And, uh, interesting how Private Rich ends up helping Colonel Potter with his... I think so. With his issues. Because that's one of the things of being a patient, especially one that can't talk, you mm-hmm. have to listen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he just came right out and wrote on a pad to Colonel Potter, you okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and Colonel Potter just opened up. It was 
Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's what you need, just someone to say, are you okay? Mm-hmm. And then to listen. Yeah, and I think it was Colonel Potter's bedside manner that made him share. Right, you right. Know, which is exactly what he needed was... And I don't think he would have shared that with any of his his people because mm-hmm. a couple of them said, well, we should just go up and ask them. They're like, no, I'm afraid of them right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. And he probably wouldn't have opened up because he was embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And did we mention yet what nope, he No, we was... didn't. Okay, why don't you go ahead and... Um, he forgot his anniversary. Mm-hmm. And I totally can relate to this because I remember one time forgetting my mom's birthday. And it was, it was September 2nd. And it was a date that I always remembered, but this one year I was busy and things got in my head and I just forgot. Mm -hmm. And I remember being afraid to call Mm -hmm. because back then you didn't have cell phones. And Mm -hmm. I mean, it was seriously, a phone call meant a lot. It was expensive too. It Mm -hmm. was like, it wasn't cheap to just call home. It it was an investment. So if you wanted to call home, you, it was going to be 20, $25, which back then was a lot of money. And in the fifties, even Mm -hmm. more. Yeah. So, um, yes, he forgot to say happy anniversary for the first time in, I wrote it down, they were married 35 years. So it was a big one, too. Yeah. 35 years last Saturday, and he Mm -hmm. forgot to call. Mm -hmm. Mildred is his wife, so you hear about Mildred quite a bit. They seem like they had a great marriage. Mm -hmm. And then I do love, uh, we don't see it on camera, but what we do, Hawkeye, uh, comes in after Colonel Potter gets called away and he's checking on Rich and Rich uh, he has a clipboard with some paper and you know that's how he asked Potter and he and he's pointing at the paper and he writes to Hawkeye forgot anniversary and all of a sudden oh yeah. that's why he's so crabby mm-hmm. and Hawkeye must have said something to Radar because then later in the episode what does Radar do um, sir, you have a phone call. Not now, Radar, I'm busy. Take a message. It's your wife, sir. Oh. My wife called? No, sir. You called her. <laughs> but now you have to talk to her. Yeah, I explained. This is the first time in three weeks you've had a chance, so... Well, she wants to talk to you. Why don't you talk to her? Um, and I'm sure she's very understanding. Mm-hmm. My goodness, what these men and women go through is amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, like... I have more respect for soldiers and leaving their families and yeah. doing this, especially you know when you're doing it out of the goodness. Like Colonel Potter could have retired. Yeah, we showed saw that a couple times. Yeah, he could be out and and making a very good living and mm-hmm. being a doctor, but he's choosing to do this. Yeah, he and decided. To I think stay. that's amazing. Yeah, he sees it as his duty to try and help these guys, and as we learn in this episode, he apparently comes around to every soldier, every... I thought that was cool. You know, everybody who comes through uh, the 477th and greets them personally. And that's what was neat about this episode. You mm-hmm. got to see that side of doctors, which mm-hmm. we don't we don't know that they go around to each one. And, and all the hands that went into Private Rich. Yeah. Like, every single person knew who he was and mm-hmm. what... Even though, you know... BJ was, or Hawkeye was his surgeon, mm-hmm. everyone had a, a hand in getting him better. Yeah, yeah. BJ met him at the chopper. Uh, Radar helped him 
get loaded up. Klinger was there, took him Winchester around camp. Norm. Yeah, Winchester yeah. helped with uh, an emergency surgery in they, from they, post-op. Yeah, they had to do another two-hour surgery on him because he yeah. did have a broken larynx. Fractured, Fractured larynx. 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 Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and then after they did that, uh, he wasn't able to talk, but then after they did that surgery, they plugged up his trach tube and said, you know, just say something, anything. Don't know what to say. <laughs> so, you but just the said first volumes. time they plugged up his trach tube to check on him, yes. I almost got physically, like, I could feel my stomach in it because mm. he was here. <laughs> it, like, yeah. it was, he did it so well, like, it, mm -hmm. it was just that noise that you just mm. made. Ugh. Because like, it was, you could hear that the tube was not clear. Yeah, something wasn't right. Um. Oh, Margaret, I like her little sponge bath. Yeah. It didn't last very long, but the whole time she was giving mm -hmm. him a sponge bath, and she's like, the whole idea of giving a sponge bath is, bath is to not let the patient know you're getting a sponge <laughs> bath, even though she's talking about it. Mm -hmm. You do forget because mm -hmm. she's. And yeah, she's just staring right into the camera, so it's right into your eyes. And like washing him up as mm -hmm. she's talking, which and again, it it looks like it's your arms, right? So your part, you're getting your sponge bath, your yep. first one, and mm -hmm. it was really cool how she did that and kept his mind off it and actually kept our minds off of it, and mm -hmm. all of a sudden it was over. I said yeah. it was like a two second bath. Yeah, it, but I think, I, I'm sure it was longer, but yeah, you know it it. I think they took some creative license right. in some of these just to show this is what it would have been like-ish. <laughs> and <laughs> how yeah. many hands touch a patient? Yeah. Again, that's mm -hmm. what I, I think is amazing. Yeah. Uh, at the end, you know, Colonel Potter uh, talks to his wife. He's all happy. Rich gets to go home along with one of his uh, platoon buddies. What got me about when he went home is mm. they put, sent him home on this bus. Yep. And I'm sorry, the bus was dirty and rusty inside. And I was wondering about infection and why that wasn't more sanitized. Like, it was disgusting. Did you notice that? As they were putting him in, there was rust all over. And um, I was just a little bit surprised that it, that's how they're transporting someone with a very easy way of getting infections and things. I mean, come on, they had to gown up and glove up for everything and, I, I and guess, they put them on a disgusting bus. I guess a couple things in my mind. I, I'm i guessing that was more... For show? Yeah, but then also it's not like they have them opened up right now. Yeah, that's you know, true. In, in OR, it's a yeah, much they're more sending them home. sanitary environment, maybe. And yeah, here you're going to have bandaged wounds and they're not healed, but they're... But they're covered. But they have a dressing, yeah. And then these guys would have gone through the evac hospital before they got shipped out. Um, probably would have had some time there to treat anything that they could have caught. But I've seen the ones that they come in on are always seem a lot nicer. You know, they have the beds well, layered that... on the sides. And this one was kind of like that, but more rusty and gross. It, I think that was just... Just that a consequence bus. of the camera because okay. that would have been oh, the same bus. Yeah, that it was a, a different point of view of seeing it. Yeah, those. it was well lit, and okay. I think it's just a consequence of that because, yeah, we would have 
you know, in theory, we could have seen more gurneys stacked, but uh, or more stretchers stacked, but we only see the two. The two, because yeah. that's what he saw. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think that's really all I have on this one, other than just a few bits and pieces. Yep, that's it. Did they have to do a lot of people, or just well, uncredited? Before that, the, oh, okay. the, the one bit and uh, bit that I did want to mention, we do see the date on the letter that Rich is writing. So keep in mind that on a couple of other occasions, we've mentioned how the MASH timeline kind of twists, and how already in this season, we've technically been in, like, 1953. <laughs> Rich's letter started out to mom and dad, and it was dated 9 12 51. So we are in September of 1951, and we've already been in October of 1953. So, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's you know, the MASH timeline. It's the MASH timeline where, you know, even in the first season, we're like in 1953, and then BJ <laughs> comes and we're in 1951, and then we're in 1952, and anyway. Um, there were a lot of people, uh, so guest stars, recurring cast, Hank Ross as Private Ferguson, uh, Brad Gorman as Private Russell, Mark Baxley as the Sergeant, uh, Jan Gordon as Nurse Baker, Edward Gallardo as Medic Number One, David Stafford as Private Rich, billed as the Soldier, Stafford, a.k.a. David Hunt Stafford, invoice only. Paul Turp as medic number two, and uncredited appearances by Jennifer Davis, Kelly Nakahara, Gwen Farrell, and Sherry Saba. So, a lot of nurses that we saw. A couple talked to Rich, that sort of thing. Uh, of course, the normal cast were all there. Uh, Radar was there, so we had a full cast in this episode. Nobody was missing. Production code was T415. So this was 11. Uh, uh, this was aired 11th and. Yeah, because the last episode was 403. Yeah. So. Yeah, writers, yeah, writers were Ken Levine and David Isaacs, and the director was Charles S. Dubin. This originally aired November 20th. 1978. Okay. Okay. Season 7, episode 12. Dear Comrade. So basically, um, North Koreans, the Chinese, uh, have heard of the 477th's extraordinary record, and they want to know if they can replicate the results. So they send in Kwong to uh try and get information so he goes in as a spy and he takes up a job as Charles's houseboy and the whole episode we just see him kind of uh, doing this that and the other thing around camp he mainly is supposed to be cleaning the swamp and helping out Charles I mean at one point they're playing poker in the old club he brings Charles a hot towel mm -hmm. and wine but then he's also in uh, the OR, helping out, bringing supplies and that. So, 
and came up with a huge solution. Yeah, uh, the other side of this is that all of these soldiers come in with a rash, and they can't, nobody can figure this out. Nobody can figure out how to um, solve this rash problem, and Kwong is writing back to his comrades, so... You know, basically the first time we hear Kwong in this episode is, Dear comrades, I have successfully infiltrated the 4077th MASH. And then how does he say it? I am playing a grinning lackey to a capitalist fool. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he's spying on them, and he comes up with a Korean folk remedy for this rash. And in his letter, in one of the letters, he writes back, With all their technology, they still do not know how to uh, treat a simple rash. And it, he, it's a boiled tree bark, uh, like poultice almost, that he here they're doing these intricate surgeries and, you know... Well, they're, they're trying to invent changing hearts, salve. <laughs> doing all that. And they yeah. even called a skin doctor who was quite rude and unhelpful. Mm -hmm. Can you speak up, Captain? I can't hear you over the band. <laughs> well, if General Embry has a boil, I can see where you'd want to sit on it. <laughs> and then, like, a third uh, through plot line is when they're playing poker in the Oak Club, there's a visiting supply sergeant. He loses to Hawkeye, who has two pair. A pair of black nines, a pair of red nines. And the supply sergeant promised Hawkeye a jeep. What he instead gets delivered is... A howitzer. <laughs> a working... A working howitzer, which the corporal who delivers it... Hawkeye refers to the howitzer as that ugly tailpipe. And the corporal goes, no, sir, that my convertible, your tailpipe. And the thing is, we have had a gun before in the... Mm. camp and we Five know what Charlie yeah we know what problems it causes you can't have a gun or a big weapon in a mash unit mm -hmm. because you're going to be attacked yeah in the final so, episode there's a tank that's left in camp and it makes them a huge target right you just can't have there's certain things that mash units cannot have yeah the big red cross apparently doesn't mean much no <laughs> so no but you know that could be uh a cover-up, the Big Red Cross. Yeah. You know, when you start mm -hmm. seeing tanks and howitzers, you're going to think, yeah. oh, this isn't a mash. Yeah, and so Colonel Potter orders Hawkeye to get rid of it. Hawkeye can't because he's unwilling to give it to a unit that's going to use it to inflict casualties. Tries to give it to other things. <laughs> you're, come on, you're a band unit. Well, <laughs> just think of what it'll do for your percussion section. <laughs> Like for the eighteen twelve overture, he um, tried everything. Yeah. So eventually, BJ comes up with a great solution. They remove the firing pin from the howitzer and then fill the barrel up with cement, so it can't be fired anymore. Now and it's a pretty decoration. Yeah. He even made some comment about art. Mm -hmm. So now it's an art piece. Yeah. And Kwong sees this, and uh, he doesn't understand, and it's quite funny. But yeah, at the end of the episode, we get uh, Kwong solving the rash issue. So he gets decorated, sort of. Yeah, I mean, Would it's... Would you call it, that decorated? Well, it's a commendation yeah, from the camp. But yeah, he got a commendation. And uh, 
he's about to leave, and then as he, the doctors go into the Oak Club for some beverages, and invited him along to celebrate. Yeah, but Quan at first said, no, I have to leave. And he thinks better of it, and then we get another letter from him. Dear comrades, <laughs> I have been invited to a top-secret meeting. I shall be late in returning. And so they're all getting drunk at the bar. And his English got much better. <laughs> hey, is it just me, Quang, or is your English better? And all the doctors are going, yeah. Yes. Oh. I think it's the whiskey. Must be the whiskey. <laughs> Pour me another one, Charlie. Don't call me Charlie. Mm. Oh, never mind. <laughs> that was Winchester, by yeah, the way. Yeah, it was great. I just, I really thought it was a great episode in that regard. Um, and, you know, if you think now about all of the... Uh, diary-like shows that we have, like Modern Family, uh, The Muppets tried this recently, where you have all the characters uh, doing a video diary, like Big Brother does. Okay. You know. Yeah. Th this was kind of like that, yeah. but only from Kwong's perspective. And writing a And writing a letter, yeah. Um, oh, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. No, you, you get sometimes where a it's A private like, diary room. Yeah. yeah. You know, this was kind of innovative in that regard, and it worked really well. Would it have worked well for a whole season? No, mm -hmm. but for this one, it gave but us... But that's what's great about MASH. You mm -hmm. see so many... Like, you don't have one director and one mm -hmm. writer that sticks with the show through the whole thing. You see the cast as directing and writing and you mm -hmm. see different like the people that wrote the last episode mm -hmm. you could tell it was different and when you said who the writers were yeah they weren't familiar names yeah. so they were new uh something else if we're talking about doing things differently uh one of the notes from the last episode uh since it was told from a point of view perspective uh, this idea had been tried a couple of times before in movies and TV, but never successfully. The 1947 Private Eye film, The Lady in the Lake, uses the same concept, making for one weird movie. So, from a point of view, it was that was a unique thing to do, and I would kind of say that this probably was too. I mean, what jumps to my mind in terms of uh, maybe other contemporary shows that might have used this would have been... Um, uh, Dragnet, you know, where, where uh, Sergeant Friday is giving his report, and you hear, Friday, uh, January 27th, we went out on the beat, and he's narrating over the top as they go out, and right. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I kind of, yeah. I never really watched one, but I it's in the consciousness, it. yeah, so those are the three main plot lines, um, and looking at my notes quickly, I really love Kwong giving us kind of an outside perspective on some of the things in MASH. Because, like, when he's in OR, uh, he's standing next to Klinger and goes, Pardon me, why do you wear a uniform of a nurse? It's my secret. I'm hiding from sanity. <laughs> That's crazy. See? See, it worked. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also. Yeah, I the, he didn't get a lot of the things. Like, no. He was not a fan of Winchester. No. That's for sure. Yeah. When he's writing back at one point, their methods are haphazard. Their extracurricular activities? Decadent. 
<laughs> so yeah, he's. We see from Kwong this idea that, um, gosh, you know, the Americans have all the supplies they could need, and on their off hours they're just doing all these things, but they're still complaining. And right. And it makes no sense to him. I was wondering also at the beginning, BJ and Hawkeye were coming back from Tokyo, and BJ was wearing an MP oh, helmet. Goodness. Wondering, wouldn't he get arrested for wearing that? <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, I, that, I thought it was cool though. Like, yeah, they brought Charles back some that. sumo hair. Oh yeah, <laughs> sumo wrestler quick. <laughs> Whatever you have for me. I already have it, or I, or don't. I don't need it. Yes, this is something you need and you do not have. And, and put on his his hair. <laughs> he had no hair. Yeah. Oh. Uh, and BJ was wearing an MP helmet, so it just made yeah. me wonder where did he get it, first of all. Did yeah. He steal it? Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of funny. Oh, it was great. Um, pardon, pardon me. Uh, anything else before no, I go just into. The... Okay. So some fun facts off of the wiki. Actor Saab Shimono, who plays Kwong, would return to the series in Season 8, Episode Backpay. So we'll see him in several weeks, probably. Uh, another episode in the almost overused Letter Home format. This is an innovative one. Uh, so, you know, you think about, like, Dear Dad. I guess those are very similar, but, yeah, to me, this is... I thought it was very different. I mean, a little yeah. similar. Yeah. It's interesting to hear a view from the other side. Uh, as they say here, the remark about the abundance of food is especially poignant. So they have plenty of rations, but they complain about the quality. So they're not starving, but it's like, oh, this is horrible. Uh, Hawkeye makes a joke about Beale Plenty, a character from Dick Tracy. Tracy was still in most newspapers in 1978. So this would have made sense, although if... You watch this now, dear listener, and wonder who B.O. Plenty is, that that would be why. Yes, I would know. <laughs> Gary Berghoff does not appear in this episode. Now that I think about it, yeah, yeah, we don't see Radar. David Dozer plays Groves, who is the corporal delivering the howitzer to Hawkeye in season <laughs> 9, Depressing News. He also plays Delivery Man, this time delivering tongue depressors. He is also the dispatcher in Goodbye Radar. Uh, Welsh is the patient who tells Margaret that Quang's remedy is working. That leaves Latimer, who must be the patient who Potter advises not to scratch so much, and he replies working on it. So that's just helping us figure out which... Who's who. Who's who. Yep. Who's who. Because I think they're just listed in the credits without right. without the character. Speaking of uh, credits... We see Saab Shimono as Kwong, Larry Block as Sergeant Chimoli, Robert Clot. So Sergeant Chimoli was the visiting supply sergeant. Robert Clotworthy as Private Welsh. David Dozer as Groves. Uh, James Saito as the Korean soldier, who we didn't mention that. Uh, Father Mulcahy is trying to feed oh. this Korean soldier, and he's just sitting there refusing. And Kwong happens to be in post-op helping. Again, he's like all over the camp helping. Yes. <laughs> Whatever. That's fine, I guess. Pardon me. He thinks you're trying to poison him. <laughs> me? Certainly not. Father Mulcahy holds out his cross. See? Good guy. We'll try to eat some <laughs> then for him. Uh, I was hoping. I was keeping that as a last resort. Well, down the hatch. 
And I hope. He ate some. <laughs> the patient just, <laughs> And then he started eating it like, <laughs> he did. like Ryan eats. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, yeah, then Mulcahy just sticks a whole spoonful in the guy's mouth. Uh, Todd Davis as Latimer. Lori Bates as the surgical nurse. Dennis Troy as Corman 1. Wayne Long as Corman 2. And some uncredited appearances by Jennifer Davis, Kelly Nakahara, and Mary Peters. We uh, see that this is the oh, sorry the production code on this was T four thirteen. The writer is credited as Tom Reader. Director Charles S Dubin. And it was originally aired November twenty seventh, nineteen seventy eight. On to the final and third episode of the podcast, which is unusual for us, but stick with us. Out of gas. <laughs> Out of gas. Should I or do go you... ahead? Go okay. Ahead. Yeah, go for it. Uh, so it says a lot. Basic premise is that uh, they run out of sodium pentothal, which is an anesthetic that um, puts the patient to sleep. And without that, they're reduced to using ether. But the problem with ether is that uh, it also can put the anesthesiologist to sleep. And you can't use heaters because you'll blow up. Because it's very flammable. So... As this is the problem, like they're freezing, and like Margaret falls off her stool while being an anesthetist. Out flat, I just mean, she was cast out. Yeah, so then they it's have quite to stop. A while for her to come too, also because <laughs> they brought her out. And, <laughs> and what yeah. what does she say as she's waking up? I didn't write it down. Keep your hands to yourself, general. Just... Yeah, oh, sorry, I knew that as we started. <laughs> but. Okay, so they can't keep using ether because they're freezing and falling asleep. And so the, the one person that knows how to get sodium pentothal, which is hilarious to me, was Father Mulcahy. Yeah, so so as they're reduced to using local anesthetics, you know, just numbing up the area that they're working on, yeah, Mulcahy says, I could arrange a drop. We're going to need a lot more than a drop, Father. <laughs> No, no, no. I, I I might be able to get some more pentothal. From whom? Black market. And but we have to have something to trade. That there mm -hmm. as comes in Winchester. Because well, who else has things to trade? Yeah, and so uh, BJ threatens to donate on Charles' behalf a case of wine. <laughs> but then Charles is like, fine, if you're going to do that, I'm going to go along. Father McKay, he is not a fan of this, but Charles insists. And you knew that was going to be a problem. I'm sorry. Yeah. As soon as he's kicked Radar, because Radar was supposed to go with Father. Mm -hmm. And anytime Charles goes, his mouth comes along. So you know there's going to be problems. Yeah. And the black marketeers end up basically robbing them. They take of everything. 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 And Charles had that nice coat, if you remember from a couple yeah. episodes ago when it was really cold. Mm -hmm. Well, gone. Yep. They took that. They took all of Mulcahy's stuff, they all the food and trade underwear. stuffs that they had in the Jeep. And um, they do end up getting the pentothal, but they lose everything else. But they get... They and they got a truck. And yeah. <laughs> they lose a Jeep, but get a truck. And they get, yeah, the seven cases of pentothal. So... At that point, you know, they kind of save the day. And How, uh, the, the way they did it was kind of neat. As they were driving mm. back, um, 
father asked Winchester, okay, if you just acquired a lot of good wine, what would you be doing right now? Well, I mean, depending on the vintage, I might uh, let it sit for a while and then get... No, no. what would you do? I would drink, drink it. it. <laughs> so they did a beeline, turned around, mm -hmm. headed back, and sure enough... Here are the guys. They were a little toasted. Yeah. And so they just, they're trying to steal the truck. And as they get it going, as they're driving away, Winchester's. Now, I've got to think that this would be a problem on a modern set. But you see uh, Charles hanging out of the side of the truck, just screaming at them. And he loses his footing at one point and jumps back in, still in character, just... Make and they're it. shooting at him. And, yeah, they're shooting at him, but you know the shot's still going. I don't. I didn't see where you could put a harness on him. No, no. So he I was literally like... just hanging out of the truck. But in the seventies, <laughs> they weren't as worried about safety. I mean, I we guess. had a station at Wagon, and we would all sit on the back as my dad drove down the highway. Yeah, no, you I'm... know. On the back I'm, of the, like, I'm, they don't even make things that you can do that anymore. I'm just None saying. None of us were harnessed in. No. There weren't any seatbelts even in our vehicles. Yeah. I think the driver had one. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Back in the 70s, you didn't, you weren't concerned about <laughs> safety the way they are now. No, You yeah. didn't strap them into everything. No, yeah. No, totally. It just, you know, it's interesting when I think about it. Uh, by That's the way, because you're a child still, and you're strapped into child. everything. <laughs> child. Okay. Uh, I, I think about some of my coworkers that way. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'll be 32 in a few days. You're a child. You have no um, idea. Yeah. All right. Okay. So, um, how they got into this mess, by the way, since we're basically full round now, uh, Sergeant Zale had traded. Oh, yeah. A bunch of their pentothal. And he thought it was a really good deal at the time. Plasma for pentothal yep. to the 8063rd. Okay. Well, <laughs> Zale, you know what to do. Right, sir. What? Go get it. I can't, sir. They, they don't have it. They it but, to the 120st. Yeah, Margaret's sitting right in back of Potter, in Potter's office. You just sat there at the pentothal. <laughs> no. Well, no, they used that to trade for penicillin from the 121st. So and go to the 121st and get nah, it. See, they traded trade. the penicillin for fresh vegetables from a yes. Korean unit. <sighs> and Margaret just yeah. goes, just let's get it over with. Just shoot him. <laughs> <laughs> I like Margaret's solution to things. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Potter looked at Zale and went, you're lucky that I'm in charge. So Good that's why they're, they're that's why they're low on pentothal, and uh, what else do I see here? Because the book here? said they had plenty. Yeah, on on the on book paper, they have plenty. They had plenty. Another exchange that I really like in this episode: Hawkeye's working on this one soldier, and he's doing locals on him, and he's behind him. He's working on the shoulder on the soldier's shoulder, and uh, he asks him where he's from, and the soldier says oh, Idaville, Indiana, cool. and. Hawkeye goes, Idaville. Um, oh, do you know the place on the edge of town that has the world's greasiest French fries? Yes, that's... That, yeah, he, he names the place. Okay, and uh, the, the Studebaker dealership that uh, every time uh, they come out with new models, they bring out the big search oh, yeah. And he names that place. And then he, so he names you've some, been there. And, and, and the dances at the VFW Hall. Yeah. When have you been in Idaville, sir? 
I haven't. I grew up in the same small town in Maine. <laughs> but think of your town, where you live. Yeah. Where do you go get the greasiest burgers? You know, where do you go buy your car? We all have the same... Mm-hmm. Well, heck, I mean, even when I when I started getting to know this city, as, as I'm driving through and I'm learning about it, I'm like, we have the same place <laughs> back where I grew up. I mean, there's the place you get ice cream. Yeah. There's the place you yeah. get. Dick's driving here, A and W back there. It's like it's the same. Yeah. Oh, um, I like A and W better. <laughs> but um, by the way, one other thing that they have in the in the quotes in the miscellany on this episode that I really like too. Uh, Zale is talking about his scrounging abilities and Margaret's berating him and he says, you didn't seem to mind when I got you those oh. leather boots with the spiked heels and Potter just looks at her confused and goes, spiked heels? How, How do, do you fish, fish with those them? on? Because they were like, what, like, thigh high? Like, he didn't high? even get it. It was so funny. He just looked at her so serious. Yeah. Like, how do you fish in those? <laughs> Never and, mind. I'm sure fishing was not her intent. <laughs> boots. Well, Knowing Margaret's propensity fishing. for leather. <laughs> Donald knows how I love fine leather. <laughs> Just uh, saying. Bless you. Yeah, and a cow. Sorry. Just comes up. Laura sneezed. Yes. All right. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I like that's that just line. Margaret. Yeah. Margaret goes from Margaret, this bun wearing, yeah. you know, tight butt nurse, yeah. to Margaret, but she's free. Yeah. I can't remember how Sydney Friedman phrased oh, it, but it was right. like I... seven kinds of um, passional looking for a way out, something like that. Yeah. It yeah. Was, he, he summed it up great. Uh, guest stars. We had Johnny Hamer back as Sergeant Zelmo Zale. I love that they're being consistent with like Zale and with and um, Kelly. And and Kelly. Uh, Igor, it's the same person. I'm glad that they're doing that rather than... A different Igor every time. Yeah, you know. Wait, I mean, Nurse Baker is still a little flexible. Yeah. <laughs> we still but, have a couple. You know, they, they are. I, I think for a while here they go to generic, it's a nurse. It's a... Great, thanks. But it's <laughs> Nurse Kelly. Oh, it was just a nurse. But at least she's not Nurse Abel. And next nurse week, Baker. next I... week she's yeah. Right. At least there's not that. Justin Lord as Private Harkness. Byron Chung as My Young. I uh, don't know who that was in here. Oh, probably from the um, the people they met in the truck drinking the wine. Oh, I bet that yeah, he was probably the yeah, uh, the, the, the lead speaking. guy because yeah. he spoke. Okay, you leave, we take. Yes. Yes, him, the the black market here who actually had a speaking part. Right. George Claiborne is private felon, and then we have uncredited appearances by Gwen Farrell and Shari Saba. See, nurse Shari. The production code for this was T four eleven. The writer was Tom Reader. The director was Mel. Damsky, and the original air date was December 4th, 1978. So yeah, uh, three good episodes. Again, I think we saw some pretty innovative things in terms of filming in here. And thank you for sitting with us through three instead of two. Yeah, we, we're still getting out about our normal yeah. amount of time. Right, and three good episodes. Yeah. So let us know what you think. You know, if 
you want to get in contact with us, easiest way to do that, head over to our website, narclaninc.com. That's N-A-R-C-L-A-N-I-N-C.com. Go to the podcast link. Go to the Whiskey and Mash page. On the page, there are two buttons. One's a Facebook icon. That'll take you to our Facebook page. You can like the page and message us there. Or also on that Narclan Inc. page, there's a little uh, you know envelope icon. Click on that, and it'll open up an email to us and you can email us directly here at the podcast and we'll get that let us know that you're out there let us know, you know what, what do you think what mm-hmm. what can we add what can we take away what are your thoughts on the show mm-hmm. um and also if this is your first episode oh, apparently i haven't been moving for about an hour my watch mm-hmm. just yelled at me um if this is your first episode and you would like to hear more of what we have out there you can do that going to itunes stitcher radio or your favorite podcast application look for whiskey and mash otherwise on that narclan inc page we have all of our back episodes as mp3 files you can stream them right off the page or download them to your favorite mp3 device listen to them there if you think that this was a <laughs> i don't edit this by the way if you think, i feel it's more genuine like we're really getting to know we you we are there for you with you but if it's if okay. you like our what we do with <laughs> this deep. podcast get out the boots and where, and what where we go with it with all these nice little tangents <laughs> if you want to help support us the best way you can do that is by sharing this wacky craziness with a friend, a family member, a co-worker, someone you think would enjoy listening to us ramble for about three quarters of an hour. I think that's it. I already talked about where I you can find so. us online and how to talk to us. So uh, I'm Chris. And I'm Gloria. And, and I'm out of chocolate milk. So see you next time on Whiskey, Whiskey and Mash. Whiskey and Mash. Uh, here goes the outro. Ba, da, da. I don't know. I like chocolate milk as a whiskey. And <laughs> I'm like, how can you drink whiskey Chaser. and drink chocolate milk? Oh. I think that would coat your stomach. I, it's fine for me. Really? <laughs> but then again, right before this, I was whipping Ryan around in a circle, so I, I was already feeling sick to my stomach. So that girl does not have a problem at all. No, but she can Bye, everyone.